This is the day that you have made. Whatever comes, I won't complain. For all my hope is in your name. And now your joy awaits my praise. Yeah. I give thanks for all you have done. I will sing. Of your mercy and your love, your love is unfailing. Lord, I am grateful. Good morning, Hopeville. Let's stand in worship and declare our gratefulness to God for all that He's done in our lives, all He's done in your life. down you brought me out you set my feet on higher ground so here I stand you are my God my faithfulness my solid rock I give thanks for all you have done and I will sing of your mercy and your love, your love is unfailing. Lord, I am grateful. I give thanks for all you have done. I won't forget all the battles you have won. Your love is unfailing. Lord, I am grateful. display 
God, may that be our song for the rest of our days that we live out a heart song that uh, thanks you, Jesus, and praises you for all that you've done through your life and through your sacrifice and through your resurrection. God, we come back to this place today, maybe to back to church for the first time in a long time, to draw near and to see what you have to say today. We know that your mercies are new every day. Just sing about your mercies. So God, would you be new today in a powerful way? Maybe in a way that we haven't experienced you or heard you in a long time. May we just know again that you are God and that we are not. Oh, light of the world, forever reign in our hearts today, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, God bless you, friends. So glad you're here for worship today. Good packed day here at church. I'm Billy. I'm the uh, worship pastor, so I just want to extend my welcome. You'll get another welcome from more people today. But hey, while you're standing, uh, take a second, say hi to some people around you. We'll see you back in just a second. Thanks, everybody. Well, welcome everyone. It is such a joy to stand back here sometime and to hear all of you sing. I gotta say, and just to lift up your voices to the Lord, it's, it's really amazing. So praise God, praise God. I'm Ken McGillivray, I'm Associate Senior Pastor here at Hopevale, and we just wanna say good morning to you. We're so glad you're here. Uh, we have uh, a number of classes happening this week. And the first is our Get to Know Hopevale class that meets for one hour today at 12.30 in the venue. You can still jump in and be a part of that. If you're new to Hopevale and you want to know more about who we are, what we believe, and how you fit in this church, then this one-hour class is for you. So I encourage you, take this step. Lunch is provided. 12.30 today in the venue. And then we have three new adult classes happening today as well. They begin today. Uh, there are two in the morning, the resurrection class. Uh, it's just a class about Jesus' resurrection, how we know what happened, what the Bible says. Uh, a class called Marriage, Happy or Holy for Marriages. That meets uh, this morning as well and for the next six Sunday mornings right in the venue. And then we have a new class beginning tonight called The Spirit and His Gifts, just a teaching about the Holy Spirit and spiritual gifts. So jump into one of these classes. This is good opportunities to take a next step in your faith. And finally, I want to encourage you to set your clocks one hour ahead on next Saturday evening, uh, March 10th. So don't, don't forget that. Because if you do, you will have uh, just a lot of extra time to savor your coffee and donut next Sunday morning. So, okay. And, and also, I, I forgot to mention our baptism classes that happen next Friday evening and Saturday morning uh, right here at Hopevale, again, in the venue. And if you're thinking about baptism, if you want to learn more, if you have questions, then we encourage you to take one of these classes. You can sign up for 
for them at the info desk or on our website as well. Uh, no strings attached, no cost for these baptism classes, and we encourage you to take part in these. As our ushers come forward, I want to introduce you to a young couple at Hopevale. Um, Kayla and Andrew George have been part of our church for about 10 years. They were baptized here as new believers. They dedicated their baby here, and they're serving here. They have really jumped in. And I, I share their story with you for, for two reasons. First, to encourage you to jump in, uh, to get involved beyond Sunday mornings, and to let the Lord encourage you and grow you in your faith in Christ. But also just to encourage all of us and remind us again of the reason that we give regularly and generously to the Lord's mission here at Hopevale. Uh, Kayla and Andrew George are one of many young families in our church that God is encouraging and growing in their faith through our giving to the ministries here in our church. And so let's pray together and prepare for our time of offering. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you uh, for the opportunity to give to you regularly, generously, just a portion of what you have entrusted us with. And Lord, we do that not out of duty, not out of routine, not, a, not out of a desire to impress others, but truly a, a desire of our heart to invest in your kingdom work through Hopevale Church. And Lord, we know that happens in young families, it happens in singles, it happens in adults, it happens in children and teens, all around this church campus, in our community, uh, through our giving to your mission here. And it happens around the world, and so we're thankful that we can be part of what you are doing through this investment of our resources. So Lord, bless us today. We pray that you'll speak to us today. We pray that your Holy Spirit will help us in the joy and progress of our faith in your son, Jesus. And we ask this together in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Pastor Ken. Well, today's a different kind of day. If you're new to Hope Vale today, we usually have a, a worship team, singers, and a full uh, band on stage. And I thought today might be kind of nice to just uh, chill a little bit and see God maybe a little more clearly in, a, in more of a quiet way. And um, so, you know, today's about uh, shared ministry. If you've looked ahead in your bulletin or read forward on your message notes on your smartphone. And um, there's, you know, there's something, something to be said about shared experiences when we serve the Lord together or when we worship the Lord together uh, as we are today. And um, there's a scripture I want to read about uh, sort of this big shared experience in heaven in just a few moments. But, you know, Pastor Dan, uh, called, we had a worship time last month in our staff chapel. About 30 of us met and worshiped together. And we did this medley of, of holy uh, songs. And um, it was a really worshipful time, and Pastor Dan uh, kind of coined it as a to see thee more clearly moment. And uh, you may know the song Day by Day from Godspell, uh, love thee more nearly, see thee more clearly, day by day. Um, and it's these, these moments, these quiet moments like these are meant, really just meant to be a time where we can see God more clearly and just sit and forget about everything else that is uh, going on in our lives and just draw near to the things of God and the things of heaven. I want to read this scripture out of Revelation 4. It's short, and um, it's all of Revelation 4. It says this. This is John's vision of the throne room. It's a very different other world than he describes. One of my favorite scriptures about worship, too. 
says this. It says, After this, I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice I heard first speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and ruby, a rainbow that shone like an emerald and circled the throne. Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones, and seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings, and peals of thunder. In front of the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. Also in front of the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. In the center around the throne were four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion, the second like an ox, the third had a face like a man, and the fourth was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under its wings. Day and night, they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and they say, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. It's a different kind of place than here. Let's see him a little more clearly as we worship together this morning.
one more time. Consider your holiness. We think about that vision in heaven. What must be happening now with those 24 elders falling down before you and saying that you're worthy and that you're holy. And Lord, creatures with eyes all over their body, it's, it's just very different. We don't live like that. We don't think about those things very often. We think those things might be like folklore. But that was John's vision of heaven. And so whether that's what's happening now or there's a new vision or a new picture, whatever it is, God, we know that there's worship happening. And there's going to be a day where there's going to be no more tears and no more pain and no more sorrow. And a day that Scripture says that we'll, we're, where we will know in full. And so, Lord, until that day comes, May you find us here worshiping you and serving you while we wait for that day. May you find us being a people here that gather to come and know more about you and to figure out more about what you want from us. God, we love you. We dedicate this time of worship to you. In your name, the church said together, amen. God bless you, friends. You can have a seat. Good morning. Great time of worship, huh? Yeah. I'm Pastor Dan Davis, Senior Pastor here at Hope Out. want to welcome those of you who are worshiping with us in Bay City today. So glad you're joining us. Hey, uh, before I get to the message, I want to share some exciting church news for you. Uh, this week, we're going to begin the search for a position that's new to us on staff here at Hopel. Uh, the position is called executive pastor, and it's a high-level leadership role that's going to help us as we've grown as a church. This person is going to serve as my right hand, so to speak, as a chief of staff. So they'll be encouraging the staff and freeing me up 
a little more for focusing on preaching and teaching. So uh, this role isn't going to be an upfront public role per se. It's more behind the scenes. But uh, the elders and I, we've agreed that this is a very valuable and important role for our church at this time, especially as we've expanded to multiple campuses and continue to grow as a church. So uh, that's what's coming up. If you want to find out more about the uh, position, we're going to put that on our website later on this week. We just wanted to keep you in the loop as an elder board and want to invite you to join us in prayer, that God would lead us to the right person at the right time. So that's what's happening in March. Today, though, as we continue our series entitled DNA, I I want to begin first by going back to another series that we did last fall called Back to Basics. Back to Basics. Uh, This series was a series about the five core doctrines of the Christian church that was prompted on the occasion of the 500th anniversary of the Protestant Reformation, that moment when Martin Luther nailed his 95 theses of protests to the front door of the All Saints Church in Wittenberg, Germany on October 31st, 1517. His protests had centered on the corruptions that had developed over time in the established church back then. And this corruption was both financial and doctrinal. And, and this corruption had kept the common people from experiencing the good news that Jesus had intended for everyone. In addition to recapturing the essence of the gospel, the Protestant Reformation also led to the translation of the Bible into languages that people could read and understand for themselves. Now, 500 years later, we take this for granted, don't we? As a matter of fact, just this week, I I looked at my phone, and with one of my apps, I noticed that I can access 1,686 versions of the Bible in 1,200 different languages, including 52 of those versions in English alone. I mean, that's incredible. But back then, it was a completely different story. Bible translation was considered a crime punishable By death. In the 1500s, the father of the English Bible, William Tyndale, was forced out of England because of this. He lived life on the run throughout Europe. He was eventually captured, arrested, tried, and convicted on the charge of heresy. And being found guilty, he was sentenced to death. They they tied him to the stake, they strangled him to death, and then burned his body shortly after. All for what? All for following his conviction to translate the Bible into the English language. It's another great legacy we have from the Protestant Reformation that still impacts our lives even now. But there's one more legacy that I want to talk about in greater detail today. And this has to do with equality in the church. Equality in the church. And to help us understand what that means, I need to go back even further than the Protestant Reformation. So not just 500 years, but over 2,000 years to the time of the Old Testament before Jesus came to this earth. See, back in those days, the people of God worshipped him in specific physical places led by uniquely appointed priests. And so whether it was the era of the traveling tabernacle or the stationary temple, these sacred priests acted as divinely chosen intermediaries who met with God on behalf of the people. And only the priests were allowed to perform these specific rituals of worship. The highlight every year was something called the Day of Atonement. 
the Day of Atonement or Yom Kippur, the one time a year when the selected high priest would pass through this thick curtain to enter a location known as the Holy of Holies. It was a sacred space where he would offer sacrifices to a holy God on behalf of all the people to atone for their sins. Before the time of Christ, this is how God's chosen people worshipped him. It's how they received forgiveness for their sins. But when Jesus came, everything changed. Everything changed. Scripture tells us that Jesus established a new covenant with God for everyone where Jesus was not only now acting as the perfect high priest on behalf of all people throughout history, but he himself was also the perfect sacrifice. The perfect sacrifice, the spotless lamb of God that by offering his life on the cross in our place, we now can experience God's forgiveness for all of our sins, past, present, and future. And not only that, but we now have direct access to God himself. We, all of us, as believers in Christ, have access to God himself. We no longer need a human intermediary, a priest, a go-between to act on our behalf because Jesus himself is our high priest. Look at the way the Apostle Paul puts it in the New Testament book of 1 Timothy. In chapter 2, verse 5, he says this, For there is one God. And one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who what? Who gave himself as a ransom for all people. All people of all nations of all times, including us right here, listening to this message. And so if you know Jesus personally as your Savior, he is your mediator. He's your me. You don't need anyone else. You don't need a pastor, a priest, a pope, a monk, or a shaman, an imam, a psychic, a fortune teller. There's no one out there that you need to broker way to God for you because Jesus himself is the way. Equal access to worship God. Absolute forgiveness for every single one of our sins. All this is ours when we look to Jesus, when we lean on him with wholehearted faith and absolute trust. Now many of you here know what I'm talking about because this is your reality with God. But if it isn't, if you don't know Jesus Christ personally as your Savior, today can be the day when you take that step of faith and place your trust in him. Some of you have been coming for, here for a while. You know this information in your head, but you've never made that kind of commitment in your heart. So tell Jesus that. Let him know through a simple prayer like, Jesus, be my Savior. Jesus, be my high priest. Jesus, I am trusting in you as the perfect sacrifice for my many imperfect sins. Now, if you've got questions about what all this means for you, let us know, right? We'd love to talk to you. Fill out a card, drop us a note, talk to one of us after the service. We'd love to help you and, and pray with you, right? We want to do that. Why? Because Jesus invites all of us to know the hope, the life, the freedom that are found in him and him alone. Equal access to worship God. And yet, as great as that blessing is under the new covenant, this isn't the only biblical truth of equality that the Protestant Reformation recaptured. No, there's a wonderful gift, another one, for us to know and experience as a church, and that's this, equal potential to serve God. So there's equal access to worship God, but there's also equal potential to serve God. God, that when you and I come to know Jesus personally as our Savior, when we experience the blessings of his absolute forgiveness, we are brought into his family and we are called into his service. We're called into his service. You, me, 
All of us. Doesn't matter your age, gender, marital status, personality type, temperament, whether or not you have the formal title of pastor like I do. No, we're all called into his service to make a contribution in this church so that we can make a difference in this world. Why? Because all of us as Christians, we have equal potential to serve God. Now, for some of you, I realize this is a pretty radical concept, right? This equality to serve God. And yet I don't blame you. You know, it certainly was a radical idea 2,000 years ago when the Christian church first began because it began against the backdrop of some pretty serious religious hierarchy where leaders back then had all these different titles and levels of importance. Most of them you could tell simply by appearance and the way that these leaders dressed. Same was true 500 years ago around the time of the Reformation with the dominance of the Roman Catholic Church. The message was simple. Don't question authority and don't dare you think that you have anything to offer. Now leave that to the experts. You just need to come to church, say your prayers, make your confessions, and give your offerings. Unless you think I'm just picking on people of the past, this kind of stuff still goes on today, both with Catholics and Protestants, where in some churches, pastors get elevated to these unhealthy places of importance, and congregation members are, are made to feel like they've got nothing to offer, right? Nothing to offer except, of course, their money, right? Yeah, listen, whatever the era might be, God's heart for his church is that every person, all of you would know that you have equal potential to serve God and that there is some unique contribution that only you can make. So all that leads us then to the fourth of our five essential values, the value of shared ministry. Shared ministry. Now, we're going to dig deeper into that in a moment, but before we do, let's quickly review what we've seen so far in this series. In week one, we saw that focused faith means keeping the main thing the main thing. The main thing, that, that, that it's our beliefs about the Bible, about Jesus, and about his gospel. That's where we need to find our unity as a church. Unity, not uniformity. Otherwise, we run the risk of secondary issues distracting us from what matters most and splitting us apart because we're too hung up on our differences. And then the second week, we talked about authentic love. Authentic love, where we practice what we preach and put feet to our faith, that we are not just talking the talk, but we are also walking the walk, because we want our love for God, our love for each other, and our love for other people beyond the four walls of this church. We want it to be an active love, one that's real, genuine, honest, and sincere, where what we do out there backs up what we say in here. And then last week, we looked at value number three, mutual respect. Mutual respect, which means living out the golden rule by treating others the way we want them to treat us. So instead of living by the laws of revenge and reciprocity, you know, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, the rules of our culture where we're supposed to treat others the way they've treated us, we need to draw from the deep well of Jesus' love within us so that we can extend that same kind of love to the people right in front of us. Living with mutual respect means we need to be people of kindness, compassion, patience, empathy, understanding. I mean, think about it. In this loud, hostile, and divisive culture of ours, we got to rise above all the noise and live by a different standard, a better standard, one that honors Jesus as we follow him. Now, this doesn't mean you need to be a doormat. doesn't mean you need to abandon all your convictions, but it does mean that you and I, we all need to add a little grace to our truth. 
So this week then, with this foundation of equality, equal access to worship God, equal potential to serve God, here's the fourth of our five essential values, shared ministry. Shared ministry, which means we value this. We want to be a church where everybody is doing something rather than some people doing everything. Everybody's doing something rather than some people doing everything. That for us to be the kind of church that honors God and blesses others, for you to be the kind of Christian who's going to find your place of meaning and significance in God's kingdom, we all need to be committed to this value of shared ministry where everyone's doing something rather than some people doing everything. Now, you need to know that this concept of shared ministry isn't my idea, okay? It's God's idea. It's God's idea that when the writers of the New Testament describe how a church should function, the number one word picture they use is that of a human body. The Apostle Paul, who's the preeminent writer of the New Testament, explains it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all of its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. That's the church. That's us. Many different parts, but we're part of one interconnected body. He goes on to explain how the parts are supposed to work together. Verse 15, now if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, right, maybe feeling not as important, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. Paul's making the point that every part matters. Every part matters. There's no insignificant role. There's no secondary part to play. We all have equal potential to serve God with our special place in the body of Christ. Verse 17, the whole body were an eye. Where would the sense of hearing be? The whole body were an ear. Where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Just as he wanted, we're not all the same, and guess what? We're not all supposed to be the same. No, God takes this wide assortment of people with different gifts, unique personalities, and he weaves us all together by his Holy Spirit and makes us one. God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. So like I've told other people before, if you don't like your part in the body of Christ, don't take it up with me, take it up with God, right? <laughs> There is a reason why he created you just the way you are. There's a reason why he's allowed you to go through the experiences that you have. Why? Because it's all part of his plan so that you will play your special part in the church. Now, dropping down to verse 27, here's the punchline. Now, you, plural you, right? You all, all of us, you are the body of Christ. And each of you, singular, is a part of it. It's how we as individuals fit into the collective. This value of shared ministry means that we are a team. We're a team and that we are at our best when each of us plays our part. So what does it look like then to play our part? Well, one of my favorite verses about this comes from the words of Peter in his letter, 1 Peter. I think it's interesting that Peter talks about this as well because this isn't just a Paul thing. This isn't just a Peter thing either. No, this is a God thing for his church. 1 Peter 4, verse 10. Some of you should, no, each of you should use what are gifts you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Use the gifts God has given you 
through his Holy Spirit for what purpose? To serve others. To serve, not to puff up your own ego, not to further your own agenda. No. Serve others, and as you do, I love how this verse puts it, God grace, God's grace flows through you in unique and different kind of ways. Ministering to others, just like Jesus did. So use your gifts. Use your gifts, for instance, verse 11. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one sp- who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides. So what? So that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and power forever and ever. Amen. See, whether we're up front speaking or behind the scenes serving, God wants us to use the gifts he's given us for the ultimate purpose of his praise and his glory. I mean, think about it. God should get all the credit because he's the only one who's able to take broken, flawed, imperfect people like you and me and actually use us for his good. Use us as channel of, channels of blessing. I mean, who else can do that but God, right? And just stop for a moment and think about who's writing these words. It's Peter. Peter, the same Peter who when the stakes were high and the chips were down, denied Jesus not just once, not just twice, but three different times. I don't know the man, Peter protested in anger. I mean, that happened. He did that. And that kind of loyalty, that, that, that kind of disloyalty, that kind of betrayal, I mean, that's a fireable offense in anyone else's book. But it's not a fireable offense in God's book. See, our God is a God of the second chance. And Peter knew that better than anyone else. And when we're honest with ourselves, we know that God has also given us multiple second chances, hasn't he? Throughout our lifetime. And God is a God of redemption, of restoration and renewal. No matter how far we've drifted, no matter how much we've failed, God can take us, restore us, forgive us, cleanse us, and renew us to be used for his purposes again. And so to him, not to us, but to him be the glory and the power for and ever. Amen. This is the blessing of equality in the church. Now, because of Jesus, we have equal access to worship God, but we also have equal potential to serve God. That's why this value of shared ministry is so important to us, that we want to be the kind of church where it's not just some people doing everything, but rather we're a church where everyone is doing something. You know, we believe this so strongly that I regularly remind the staff that their job is not that of a doer, but an equipper. Not a doer, but an equipper. That their job is to empower the people of our church to find their fit and use their gifts. Paul talks about this in the New Testament book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verse 11. He explains that dynamic this way. So Christ himself gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers, for what purpose? To equip his people for works of service. Pastors, teachers, our our staff, our role is to equip, empower, educate, encourage you. Why? So that you can discover your unique place of service in the church so that you can reach your full potential as a follower of Jesus Christ. When that's taking place, look what happens, verse 12. So that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature tending to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Corporate unity, spiritual maturity, church health, church growth, church favor. These are the blessings that we experience when we're committed to the value 
of shared ministry. And so when I talk about this value with the staff, I'll often say, you know, if you're always doing it alone, you're doing it wrong. If you're doing it alone, you're doing it wrong. That if you lead your area of ministry in such a way where, such a way where others can't get involved alongside of you, then that's a lose-lose situation. It's lose-lose. If you're doing it alone, if you're not equipping, if you're just doing it, it's going to lead to burnout on the staff and stagnation in the church. And we don't want either of those to happen. This value of shared ministry also means that we don't expect the pastors, we don't expect the staff to do everything around here. We don't know. Some of you come from church backgrounds where that was the case, where things only mattered if the pastor did it. But that's not us because that's not biblical. And so I don't want our staff to lead all the classes, to do all the counseling, to make all the hospital visits. You know, the list goes on. That's why I love our community groups, right? These, these shared friendships that are built over time in community where caring and genuine ministry happens. See, church is about all of us. Not just the staff, it's about all of us because we all have equal potential to serve God. So personally, what does it look like when you play your part in the church? When you use your gifts to serve others? If shared ministry is indeed one of our five essential values, then how can we put that into practice, both collectively and individually? Well, in talking about this, I'm reminded of a message entitled, Commit, that I preached last fall as part of our vision series. I'd encourage you to check that out on our website if you weren't here with us that Sunday. Now, if you can go back to that, those of you who were here, we go back to the vision series last fall, but the main goal was to lay a foundation so we could launch Hopevale Church in Bay City, which by the grace of God has actually happened this year and gotten off to a great start so far. But here we are now, five months later, and it's time to bring the focus back onto Saginaw, right? Not to the exclusion of Bay City, but we can think about both areas equally. And so as I begin to wind down, everything I have to say now has to do with all of Hopevale Church, both in Bay City and in Saginaw, right? What are we? We are one church in two locations. So let me start with some expectations. That if you've been coming to Hopevale for at least six months or more, and you consider Hopevale your church home, then I think you should be serving in some kind of capacity in our church. I do. Now, I realize there are always going to be some exceptions, right? We want to acknowledge those. There are certain season of life challenges. There, there might be work schedule conflicts. There might be health limitations. But generally speaking, we want everyone doing something. We want to be a church of contributors, not consumers, where when people walk through the door, they're thinking, what can I give, not what's in it for me? Again, if you're newer to Hopevale and you're still kind of deciding whether this is the place for you, that's a different story. But my guess is that most of you are well beyond that stage. So what can you give? How can you serve? For here in Saginaw, with our two services, I'd love to see as many people as possible adopt a serve-an-hour, worship-an-hour mindset or worship-an-hour, serve-an-hour mindset, right? And some of you are already there, and it's wonderful. I mean, I think of the tech team in the booth in the back. They get here at 7 in the morning. They leave at 1 p.m. in the afternoon. And we got volunteers like that on Sundays for kids' ministries, for welcome ministries during the week with youth ministries, adult ministries. That commitment is incredible, and I'm so grateful for those who have jumped on board. But I can't sugarcoat it. You know, whether it's Hopevale Church in Saginaw or Hopevale Church in Bay City, we need you and you need us. 
right? That if we're going to carry out the ministry that God has in store for us, if we're going to see all of us grow spiritually, if you're going to reach your full potential in Christ, then this church has to be more than just one hour on a Sunday every week. So let's get practical. That today when you came in, both in Saginaw and in Bay City, you found a card on your seat that looked like this, right? This is a card for you to begin a conversation about finding your place to serve here at Hope Val. Now, uh, just so you know, this isn't like a two-year cell phone contract, right? You're going to fill this out and you can't get out no matter what, right? No. Begin a conversation. Express some interest. Take some steps forward. If you see, can, as you can see here, it's got a place for your name, address, phone, email address. But underneath there, there's different areas of service, boxes you can check. They're certainly not comprehensive. So if you see an area there that doesn't cover the one that you're interested, it's other. Just check that box right, right? And so we've got boxes, places in the lobby where you can drop these off again, both in Saginaw and in Bay City. Even better than that, today after the service in the lobby at both campuses, We've got some staff, we've got some key ministry leaders out in the lobby that we'd love for you to meet. You know, some of you have been coming to Hopevale for a while, and I realize that maybe you've never interacted with our staff before like this, right? So I'd encourage you after this service, introduce yourself, meet them, hear more about their ministry, and explore different ways that you can get involved. Let's connect with each other and start to make things happen. Then finally, I also want to mention a great opportunity that begins tonight as part of our class offerings here in Saginaw. That our own pastor, Ken, who has an incredibly sharp mind, he's a gifted teacher, he's steeped in the scriptures, he's going to lead this class called The Spirit and His Gifts. Six weeks class on Sunday night begins tonight, goes 6 to 7.30, where you can learn more about the Holy Spirit, about his work in our lives, his work in the church. Ken's also going to teach about spiritual gifts, the gifts we're given as Christians at the moment of our salvation, and as part of that class... He's going to walk the class through a personalized spiritual gift assessment. I mean, this is going to be great stuff. And so if you've never sat under solid, practical Bible teaching before about the Holy Spirit and spiritual gifts, I'd encourage you to go to this class. You can stop by the uh, info desk in the lobby in Saginaw. You can sign up for the class online as well, or just go to both places to find out more. Whatever you do, boy, we would just love to see as many people as possible, take some kind of step to put this value of shared ministry into action. For some of you, it's going to mean a step of initial involvement. You've never served in any capacity before here at Hopevale. And maybe you haven't because you think you're not needed, that we've got everything covered. Trust me, we don't. And don't believe the lie either that you have nothing to offer because you do. Now, what exactly that's going to look like for you might take a little time, might take a little trial and error. That's okay. We've got plenty of people here who have served in different capacities before they eventually found their fit. And so if you're part of this initial involvement group, I'd encourage you to fill out a card, reach out to us, have a conversation with a ministry leader, do something that's going to nudge you out of your seat in here so that you can serve other people with your gifts out there. And then for those of you who need to consider another step, there's a step of greater involvement, that you have served here in the church a little while now. And we're grateful for that, but maybe now's the time for you to take a step of faith of greater involvement and more responsibility. 
Listen, I truly believe that one of the greatest catalysts for our spiritual growth is when we step out in faith and we trust God to do something we've never done before. I love when that happens, and it's going on in our church right now. I think of those of you in Bay City who've jumped on board a ministry team. You get there early in the morning, you help with setup, and then you're part of a team, and you're serving with other people to just help this endeavor get off the ground to reach other people for Jesus Christ. It's great. I think of first-timers who've just returned from that mission trip to Haiti to experience life cross-culturally and what it's like to be in a third-world country. I think of new community groups that have just started in 2018 where we've had people step forward, men and women, for the first time taking on the role of leading a group or hosting a group. And then I think of Pastor Sam's uh, interns in youth ministry who for the very first time stood up in front and taught. They shared, shared their story. They, they read from the scriptures and just taught students just a few years younger than them. Great stories, and these are just a few examples, and I bet if you talk to any of them, they'd say something like this. I was scared to death to do it, but I'm so glad I did. I'm so glad I did. So maybe you're someone that God's nudging right now to take a step of greater involvement in ministry here. That's the case. You know, this just might be the catalyst to jumpstart where you are spiritually and to grow your faith. Again, talk to the leaders you serve with and let them know what you sense God is doing in your life. And so whether it's a step of initial involvement or greater involvement, let's live out this value of shared ministry. Let's be the kind of church where everybody's doing something, where we're all making our unique contribution in the church so that we together can make a difference in this world. You know, as I close today, as I think about us all using our gifts, I can't help but think of the late Reverend Billy Graham, who passed away on February 21st, the age of 99, and just a couple days ago, his funeral services took place in Charlotte, North Carolina. The service was a celebration, but it was a celebration not just of a great man, but also of an even greater message. That with over 2,000 guests in attendance to pay tribute to his life, with over a million additional people following online, watching from all over the world that service, not to mention dozens of media outlets covering the event. And I think of what uh, Bible teacher Beth Morris said, wonderful observation. She said, you know, when I pulled up to the parking lot for the service today, I thought it was so fitting to see all those satellites and news trucks there. It would have been exactly what he, Billy Graham, would have wanted, that the word would go out and that people would hear the name of Jesus today. That the word would go out and people would hear the name of Jesus today. That even on the occasion of Billy Graham's death, God was still working through the gifts he had given him to spread the hope of Jesus Christ. Incredible. Now, I think it's safe to say that none of us here are going to have the same kind of kingdom impact on this world that Billy Graham had, but that's okay. That's okay because God doesn't ask us to be like Billy Graham. No, he asks us to be us. You, me, all of us. To use the gifts he's given us to serve other people. And when we do, we too, in our own unique way, are going to point other people to Jesus just like Billy Graham did. Because in the end, it's not about Billy Graham. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's not about Hope Val. It's about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It's about the hope and the love that he has for everyone. So use your gifts Play your part and watch God work. 
He's going to work as we spread his hope to a world in need. Let's pray together. God, thank you. Thank you for giving us examples like Billy Graham of what it is to serve you well. Uh, He was as public and as upfront as it gets. But God, we all, your word says, we all have equal potential to serve you. How you've made us and the gifts you've given us. And that it's not a competition and that you're not judging by comparison. You're just looking for faithfulness. You're just looking for us to play our part, to use our gifts, to be part of a unified body that loves one another and is unleashed in this world to shine a light and to spread the hope that Jesus offers. And so that's my prayer. It's my prayer for Hope L Church in Saginaw. It's my prayer for Hope L Church in Bay City. That God, we would be a church where everybody's doing something and it's not just some people doing everything. We would find our place. We'd use our gifts. Because when we are one and when you're unleashed, God, your grace goes out in its various forms. So let us love, let us serve. If you're nudging us, God, some people here, you're nudging to take a chance, to take a risk. Let them do it. God, overcome the fears, overcome the doubts. Because as they do, I know their faith is just going to grow and sprout and shine and flourish. And that's what you want for all of us. So may your Holy Spirit speak to our hearts. And God, may we step out and may we truly carry your hope to a world in need. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, as we close this service, you know, Billy and I were talking about, uh, you know, what would be appropriate to do that? And, and we thought about a song that uh, is new to us here at Hope Hill. And Billy, you brought that song up, and what was it about it that you just felt like would finish the service so well? Yeah, it's a song called, oh, hold on a sec. To turn on Hope Vale Spa and Massage. <laughs> so like I was saying, <sighs> like Pastor Dan was getting at, it's actually uh, Stephanie, our, our, our uh, Bay City worship director, uh, this song popped in her head, and, um, and I was like, oh yeah, brilliant, and we brought it before Dan, and, and it's really a song that just says, um, the first line is brilliant, it says, we are the change the world is waiting for. And, you know, I love a day like this where we can be encouraged to think about how to serve at church and be partners in ministry because, um, you know, as Pastor Dan was preaching as we were talking about this sermon and this day and this song and these moments, guys, you can go be part of any great organization that's doing good work for people, and that's wonderful. But to be part of something that's eternal and part of something that will change someone's life forever is probably the most important thing that you could ever do. That's why we've committed our lives to being pastors, to helping people try to get that. And, mm. and so it's a great encouragement for us all today. And so we thought we'd close with this song as, uh, as we close. It goes like this. We are the change The world is waiting for we got to love, the world is desperate for.
in the middle about letting our love be active and letting our love be real. Just like we talked about a couple weeks ago with the 
authentic love message. And it's just great to watch how God brought that together for us as a church at this time to be people who carry hope and let the light of Jesus Christ shine in us and through us. Next week, we're going to wrap up our DNA series. We're going to talk about servant leadership and what God requires for those who lead. But as you go from here, may the light of Christ fill you up and shine through you this week. God bless you.